0: You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. I was kind of hoping um, this morning that you might be able to help me with my sermon. Um, as I say that, I kind of want to look for Graham Kriegsmann and just get a leash, um, just to, not not too much help wherever Graham is. But um, but but I'm going to going to just involve you involve you a little bit here. I uh, had the privilege many, many years ago of working with an organisation and uh, I'd heard about their US director. His name was Dick Amundsen and and everybody who, who spoke about him just, just said, what a delightful guy, one of the best conversationalists you will ever meet and so forth. And anyway, I was uh, travelling with him from um, Duluth in uh, Minnesota uh, down to the Twin Cities on one occasion, and and he was he was the driver, and I was looking forward to this this time with him in the in the car. And sure enough, um, as we're as we're driving down, um, he he just asked questions that nobody had ever asked me before in my entire life. It was it was amazing, and, and they were out of the box questions, things I'd never never even thought of, uh, such as you know, Stuart. Um, he he knew I was married. And i have been away from home for, you know, a few weeks now, and he probably just, you know, could see that heartache, you know, just, just missing Bron. And he said, you know, if you could go to a, a shop and, and money wasn't an object, you, you know, buy any dress for your wife to take home to her as a gift, what sort of dress would you buy her? I was thinking, nobody has ever asked me that question before. <laughs> I've got no idea, actually. (laughs) Although I started to... I mean, he pushed. He said, you know, what would it be? What do you think she likes? And I was thinking, oh, wow, I don't... I don't know, I, I guess it would be this kind of big, long, flowing, silky thing like you would, uh, like you would wear if you were going to a waltz or something and, and I would be in a tux and I want to go home. Stop asking me questions like this. But he, he was asking me some great questions. So, okay, participation time. I would like you to turn to the person next to you that is not your spouse. Uh, That eliminates two, three people for most of you. So, oh, wrong church. Sorry, no, we're Baptist. That's at least one person, okay, that is eliminated. All right. Um, And so I want you to turn to the person next to you who you are not married to, and, and let's start with an easy question. Let's start with an easy one, okay? We're just gonna focus around a random, well, not totally random, I did think of this topic, but an easy topic, travel, okay? Travel, there's so many different questions about travel, but here's, here's one for you. And you've only got just a few seconds because we need to move through this quickly. Turn to the person next to you who you are not married to and ask them, nice and easy, we're kind of low ball here. How did you get here this morning? All right, go, 30 seconds. <laughs> Okay, that one was easy. That one was easy. Any interesting answers, such as a tram or a bicycle? No, I mean, I did doubt that. Walking, okay. All right, a little bit harder. We're going to just up it a little bit. All right, what was, still on the topic of travel, what was your very first car that you owned or stole either? (laughs) Okay, again, that one's pretty easy. Here we go. Getting a little bit harder now. Uh, What is one holiday destination you'd love to go to but never have? One holiday destination you would love to go to but never have? Okay. If you're still answering that question, you probably need a holiday. (laughs) But I'd love to hear what were some of the destinations you came up with? Where where are we going, folks? Iceland, Wales. Maldives. Maldives. Uh, Italy? Right. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> Wonderful, okay, okay. Now let's, let's take it up another notch. If you could just fix it, think about a country of great need. If you could just fix it, what country would you like to fix? After Australia, because that could take a while. If you could fix it, what country would you like to go to and just just fix it? All right. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, what countries would you love to fix? Sudan. Yes. Syria. Yes. North Korea? Yeah. Greece. Yes. Israel. Yeah. Sri Lanka, yes, Carol. No surprise there. <laughs> yes, Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Yes, United States. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Oh, Stephanie agrees. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Barbara. Oh, you agree too? Okay. Yes. Well, that's really getting fixed. All right. <laughs> Look at Obama. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, questions can lead to some, some very, very interesting conversations at times, can't they? And, uh, and just sometimes, sometimes knowing the right questions to ask can be helpful. But as we ask questions, you know, we delve a little bit deeper with people, don't we? And lasting and meaningful relationships are, are built often when we reveal a little bit of ourselves to others and they reveal a little bit of themselves to us. And that often takes place during the questioning process, doesn't it? We ask a question, they reveal a little bit of of their innermost thoughts to us. And it can be telling. And as we do that, we can build lasting and, and very meaningful relationships. Well, where does all of this fit into to my sermon today? Well, we've been looking at some time as a church on the whole issue of abiding, learning to remain or abide in Christ. This was his command in John 15, to, to remain in him, to abide in him. And uh, we've got it over there. We've got a little bit of an acrostic that was helping to remind us what it means to abide, or you can see it there. The A was, well, to do that all together. There's something about community that helps us in the abiding process. The B was to learn to be still. And you might think of prayer and devotions and so forth, but we, we live at such a frenetic pace in this world, don't we? And we need time to be still, time to just be. And the be, will, be still will help us to abide in Christ, to remain in him as well. The I was to remind us to imitate Jesus Christ. Um, if we're going to imitate anyone, his life was worthy of imitation. And as we seek to imitate him in every way, we are learning also, again, to abide in him. And then the D, we're finally up to the D. Told you we'd get through it this year. We're finally up to the D and the D is our expressing our devotion to one another. In other words, if we do not have this, love, or devotion to one another, if we do not have that as a church, then we probably cannot call ourselves a church. A church by definition must demonstrate this devotion or this love for one another. In fact, let me, let me read to you where this comes out in, in the analogy of the vine and the branches and then Jesus does a little bit of a commentary on it. So let's read together um, John chapter 15 and we're going to, going to read just a few um, verses from there, verse 9 to verse 12. John chapter 15 verses 9 to 12 and I think we have that up there, yes we, we do. Well, as the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so have I loved you. Now, earlier in John, just a couple of chapters before, we have, and maybe you learnt this in school or maybe you learnt it somewhere, uh, but the new command that Jesus gave his disciples. He says, A new command I give you, in chapter 13, verse 14, Love one another as I have loved you. Sorry, verse 34. A new command I give you, Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I think that is a fantastic test on whether I am getting this right or not. Does anyone pick me as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Does anyone... uh, Sorry, you didn't have to answer. Rhetorical. Sorry, (laughs) embarrassing. Boy, nobody picked the pastor as a (laughs) disciple of Jesus Christ. We all know that's rhetorical, right? Yeah, so that's why you didn't answer. But (laughs) great little personal test for me. Would anyone, if somebody didn't know me, just a random person down the street, there I am beeping my groceries, would anyone pick me as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Not by the way I beep my groceries, but if one of you happened to walk past, would they know by by my devotion, by my love for you, by my interest in you, by my focus on you, would they know that there's something different about me? Would they pick right down there in Safeway or Coles or Audi or Costco, actually, where we go? But but would they pick somehow in my demeanour, in my interaction with other people, would they pick that, hey, there's something different about this guy. He's not wearing a clerical collar, but I reckon there's something a little bit different about him. He seems to love other people. There's the test. That's the pointy end of the stick. There's the test for me in my day-to-day life. Would other people pick it? Would they think that I might be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Would they, would they pick it in the traffic on that day when I get cut off? Yes, even pastors get cut off in traffic as well. I don't know what that is about. But yeah, um, would, they, would they pick it when my team loses? That's every week. Would they, would they pick it in the good times and wouldn't they pick it in the bad? There's the, there's the rub. And so Jesus is saying, you guys, and here's the test of your discipleship, you guys must love one another. This is, this is my command for you. Now this is a little bit tricky because when it comes to this whole topic of love, we are using the term in so many different ways, aren't we? You know, there are so many pop songs that, that seem to portray love in kind of some sort of a sentimental way. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's a, you just got to love people, don't you? How many times have you heard that said? Well, what is love? What, what is love? I, I love Philippians, Philippians chapter 2 as a little bit of a, a definition of this. Um, Paul is, is writing to the Philippian church there and commending them to have the same attitude, the same mind as, as Jesus Christ. And on this matter he says, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I think in all of scripture that is perhaps one of the most powerful definitions of love. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Now, the word interest there in the Greek is scopeo, and it and it literally means to to spy out or to take aim at. So if you can you can picture a warrior on a hill or something, and he's and he's spying out, he's having having a look, or <laughs> on a on a not so good day taking aim at somebody. But now think about that in a good way. Think about scoping out, spying out, and and, and looking or taking aim at somebody else so that they are the very focus of your attention. In fact, that's why I don't often use props, but I found a prop today. That's why we have the telescope up here, where scopeo, the Greek word for, for scope, that is, that is, you remember, looking to one another's interests. Well, scopeo is where we uh, borrow the word for scope for telescope. And so, you know, we could say that to love is to, is to intentionally focus our attention to, to be totally focused on, on somebody else. Now, do not read me wrong here. If you, Jesus also says to love your neighbor, that does not mean to use a telescope that is kind of creepy. <laughs> but um, what I am saying is simply to spy out to scope another person's needs. When you're looking for somebody else's best interests, that's what you're doing. You are scoping out their needs, you're focusing on that person. Sorry, Caleb, you are right in line there. Yeah, there I am. Feel the love? So. That is what Paul is saying to the Philippian Christians. I want you to be looking out for one another. not your own interests. Don't kind of have this thing kind of focused on yourself all the time. Turn it around. I want you to be focused on other people. I want you to be be, uh, allowing them to be the centre of your affection and your devotion. Romans chapter 12 verse 10. Paul is talking to the Romans church there. He says, be devoted to one another in love. There's the devotion again. Make other people the focus of your attention. So when Jesus says we need to love one another, this is my new command. He's saying, allow other people to be the focus of your attention and not focus on yourself. Uh, Did you have a meal today? Have you got clothes for your body? Did I not look after you? Have I not loved you? Okay, well well, you're good. You're good to go. Now go love somebody else. Go make them the focus of your attention. You no longer need to be the focus of your attention. You're all good. I've looked after you. I've loved you. Now go love somebody else. And that seems to be what Jesus is is saying here. It's constantly scoping out what is in the best interests of another person, making others our our complete focus. So, what, um, how in a community such as this, uh, apart from discussion techniques like that of um, you know where have you travelled and what sort of a car did you in what country would you go to fix? Beyond that, how does this idea of Christian love? How does that go deeper so that, so that somehow we're not just running a, a, a basic course on you know, human relationships and, and so forth? Well, again, Jesus shows us. In verse 9, we, we notice that he, Jesus says to us, the command is rooted in this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. In other words, you and I are loved with a perfect love. Now where do I get that from? Jesus has loved the disciples in the same way that the Father loved him. Now how do you think, if you just think about the notion of the Trinity for a moment, how do you think the Father loved the Son? Was it with an imperfect love? Can't be. Uh, Here's here's my very, very very basic basic theology for you. We run a theology course here, by the way, and I, I, I didn't want to tell people at the start, but... Towards the end of the year, of course, you know, I guess we pass you or not. The truth is, you can't get a pass in theology. God's too big on them. He's just too big. You can't understand everything there is to understand about God. So theology is the one subject you, you just can't pass, not in this life, until he's completely revealed and, and we have complete understanding, you know, we'll always be pondering certain aspects about God. But, but let's think about it this way. I'm a theist. Why am I a theist? Because... Because as I look at this beautiful creation around me, I go all the way back to a point in time where I kind of think it had to come from somewhere. And you might say a big bang, and yes, I would say, as God called everything into being, there probably was some noise. And so at that particular point, I'd say something started everything. There had to be energy, for instance. At some point, something started everything, and that's where I think there must be intelligence behind the intelligent design. There must be a cause for the bang. There must be be a creator for the creation. So I'm a theist. Now, why am I not a polytheist? That is, many gods. Quite simply, because if one god has to compete with another god to be god, by definition, it's not god. So I end up being a monotheist. And as a monotheist, one god, I kind of think... God, by definition, must be the absolute supreme being. There can be no flaw in him whatsoever. If there's a flaw in your God, as I often say, go get a new one because that one just doesn't work for you. You know, God, by absolute definition, can have no flaw. He is absolutely perfect. He's supreme. That's the definition of God. So if you're a theist and a monotheist and you believe in a God, then presumably you believe in God's perfection, that he is absolutely supreme and perfect. Therefore, if God loves you, if God loves the Son, he loves with a perfect love jesus says i have been loved by my father and in the same way i have loved you you are a people jesus says who have been loved perfectly i love you with the same love that the father loves me the father of course loves me with a perfect love therefore i have loved you with a perfect love as well we are a people as christians who know that we have been loved perfectly that's the interesting thing. Everybody has been loved perfectly by God. Christians, I guess, would say, I know I have. I know who God is. I know that he has loved me with a perfect love. Um, the idea here, of course, is that the father was watching out, was scoped or focused on his son Jesus with a perfect love. I think about, as a, as a father myself, the very first time, um, my little toddler, Daniel, he was now a strapping 24, 25-year-old man. But, but I remember when he was a little toddler in his fluorescent green bathers so that we could find him again, You know, staggering, staggering towards the pool. And I was right behind him. He, I, was, I was scoping out any dangers. I was totally focused on him as he would walk towards water for the very first time, put his feet in and then fall over and, and, and you know, out of shock and so forth. I was right there with him the whole time. I was totally focused on him. I loved him as a father should love a son. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, my father has loved me with a perfect love. He, he's, he's scoped it all out. He has totally been focused on me. And as the father loves the son, so the son loves you. You have been loved with a perfect love. And then Jesus goes on, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So you might think, that's a lovely notion, Stuart. We have been loved with a perfect love. I like that. Theologically, it's, yeah, I guess it's correct. But I don't know that that truly is my experience. I'm not sure that I've experienced a perfect love like you, you talk about. And this is where Jesus tells us or gives us a clue well, how to experience a perfect love. It's one thing to say you've been loved with a perfect love. Well, how do you experience that love? Well, Jesus gives us a clue. He says, in the same way that he keeps the Father's commands, so you should keep my commands. If you keep my commands, you are able to experience my love. You remain, as it were, in my love. Um, now, again, you might think, ah, I don't like that word commands. That kind of sounds a bit constraining, you know, controlling sort of love and that sort of thing, even though Jesus is the author of love. But anyway, you, you might think that for a moment and you kind of think, what's that all about? Well, they are basically the, the basic laws and precepts of the universe, the things that hold everything together. Jesus is basically saying it like a telescope. If you want to love correctly, you need to remain in my commands. That's, that's kind of like, like having you know all of, all of life's situations and so forth, but here are my commands. My commands are the lens through which you are able to see and understand all of life. And you need to get this first. You look this way through the telescope. Here are my commands. This is my ways in which you can enjoy life. And, and if, you, if you look at life this way, it will look right. It will look proper. If you turn the telescope around and you, you approach it from this way, life circumstances and try to understand Jesus' commands, you, you may be excused for thinking they're a little bit on, you know, onerous or, or somehow complex and, and too difficult. But that'll be because you're kind of looking... At Jesus' commands through life circumstances. The trick is to actually look at life circumstances through Jesus' commands. And if you are able to to focus your your um your life that way, you will get it right. So Jesus is basically saying there are unavoidable laws and principles of the universe which I have created and put into play. And as you understand them and as you as you cooperate with them, life is going to be enjoyable. I'll put it this way. We're, it's getting hotter, isn't it? Actually, getting hotter in here. I don't know. Can we turn the fans up? Or is it just me working myself into a... Yeah, it is some nods. It is hot. Um, you know, um, it, it is getting hotter. We're all looking forward to the summer. We'll probably be spending time at the beach as we, as we usually do. Some of those January days, as you know, get up into the 40s. They are hot, stinking days. I know I have been in the surf on some of them and you watch, a, you watch a, a family just arrive at the beach and they're all hot on the sand and flustered and they're running up and down because the sand's too hot and you want to say to them, you know, if you want to get cool, come into the water, come into the water. Jesus is saying, if you, if you want to experience love, come and obey my commands, come and obey my commands. In the water you are able to keep cool. In my love, obeying my commands, you are actually actually able to experience my love. It is as you obey my commands that you will experience all of my love for you. If you want to keep cool, stay in the water. If you want to experience God's love, obey his commands. Um, and then he goes on and he says this remarkable thing and here is the value that underpins all of this. I have said this so that My joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You know, that old notion that you have that God just spoils all the fun. That's wrong. He's all about joy. He wants you to have his joy and in fact, he actually says, this is the way that your joy can be complete by obeying my commands. Ever heard that before? Wow. So this is actually a a good thing. Obeying Jesus' commands helps you to remain in his love and your joy will be complete. It is the secret to the most joyous and joyful life that you could possibly desire. And then he goes on in verse, verse 12 and he says this, my command is this now, love each other as I have loved you. In other words, Jesus is now saying, share the experience. You have been loved with a perfect love. How can you experience that? By obeying my commands. Now that you've experienced that, share the experience. Go love other people. Make them the focus of your attention. Turn the telescope on them and, and look at them. And this is the practical side of it. This is where, how do we create a loving community? How do we, how do we create a sense of family like we've, we've talked about? Well, we share the experience of the love of Jesus Christ. If you just try to love out of your own experience of love, that'll be inadequate. That'll be flawed, it'll be painful, it'll be full of all of those hurts and difficulties that you carry with you in your life. But if you love others with the love of Jesus Christ, a perfect love, guess what? You will perfectly love somebody else. So as somebody who is perfectly being loved and has experienced the love of Jesus Christ by trying to live the life of putting, putting his precepts, his commands first, having experienced his love, now share the love. Go share that experience of love with with other people. Make them the focus of your attention. And here's the really, really practical bit. I'm going to finish my sermon early so that you can share the love. Wow, I know. One-off deal. This is not going to happen again. <laughs> we often say here that, you know, how do you, when is it that you start to feel that you belong to the Oldham Baptist community? The funny thing about belonging is it's not, not something that you can take for yourself. It's something that you have to give to others. I can't say, I would really like to belong to Eltham Baptist Church. I can't take that sense of belonging as if it's something on a shelf that I can grab. That sense of belonging will have to be given to me. That will come to me as other people kind of, you know, come alongside me. Hey, Stuart, hey, this is a nice church. You should be pastor here. That's, it's something that you give to me and it's something that we can give to one another. I can give that to you by, by taking time to listen and to chat with you, of asking, You know, if you could go fix any country in the world, what country would you go to fix? Years ago, I used to be involved in a course that would would run training for pastors. And uh, uh, this, well, I guess one of the surprising parts of this course was more pastors than you would imagine actually admitted to finding, building relationships and conversing with other people without the collar on was difficult. No, we actually don't wear collars in Baptist churches anyway. But, but anyway, you, you, you get you get the picture. But but many many pastors express the same the same thing that actually outside of my formal role and my formal duties, I actually find it difficult to build relationships with people. It's much easier when I'm going to visit the sick or when I'm going to going to do something in my formal role. But if you just ask me to go up to somebody cold turkey and just shoot the breeze, I'm not good at it. And so we would. We would run this course, and we would sort of help people to, to build build relationships, and 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 basically equip them to to, ju- to just chat about all sorts of areas, you know. Um, uh, where you know what where's their name come from what is their name and and where do they live and do they have family and have they have they traveled much and what are their sports and their hobbies and their interests and what do they what do they think about this or that and do you have any you know concerns or challenges or frustrations in your life at the minute what are your goals and your and your dreams and, and 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 so on so we would we would just say there's so much to talk to people about if you just take the time and then we would surprise them by saying, you know what, you've all got the afternoon off. And just as they're thinking, fantastic, because I've got some sermon preparation to do or, or whatever it might be, we would say, except that you need to spend it at the local shopping mall. And I said, oh, it's a bit odd, got the afternoon off, but I've got to go to, to the shopping mall and my wife's not with me. What would I do? And, and so we, we then say, what we'd like you to do is just wander around and chat with people. You know how to, just chat with people. I kind of thought this was pretty exciting. So we'd all head down to the shopping mall and say if it was a, it was a course of 20 people, all of a sudden you've got 20 pastors set loose in this shopping mall. You don't want to be there, I tell you. And I remember there was many, many stories like this, but on one occasion, Roger, Roger Lang, uh, who was um, actually former president of the Christian Missionary Alliance here in Australia, and Roger, Roger came back from one course and we were just kind of kind of sharing, you know, well, hey, what happened as you went to the shopping mall? and uh he said he'd he'd had some fantastic fantastic chats just you know sort of random little chats outside a pet shop you know you know if you could buy any pet here what pet would you buy and you know just just random things but on one occasion he was sitting on a bench and uh a young girl came and came and sat down beside him um but younger than his daughter's age sort of you know and he kind of thinking oh boy it's a long time since i was in youth work you know and uh Anyway, he noticed noticed her sort of, you know, writing on a piece of paper and and um, and tears streaming from her eyes and and he looked over and he just said, you, "You're all right." And she said, uh, "I'm trying to write a letter. Do you know how to write letters?" And he said, oh, "I've written a few. You know, what 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 sort of a letter would you like to write?" You know, "It's to my dad." I said, "Okay." Um, well, you could start out, dear dad. She said, That's good. That's good. And so she writes, dear dad. <laughs> he says, what do you want to say? And she said, well, I want to tell him what happened. He said, well, what happened? And, he, and she went on and she just shared that she went to a party that weekend and things happened at that party that weren't good and weren't right and weren't legal. And she said, how do I tell him? And he said, well, that's a really hard letter to write. I can see why you're asking. And he said, but there's probably some other issues as well here. And he said, do you think you need to talk to somebody? Do you think you need to talk to the police? And she said, yes, but I didn't know how to. And he said, would you like some help with that? She said, I'd love some help with that. He said, I'd, I, I could do that for you. And where are you living at the minute? She said, I don't have anywhere to live. Well, would you like some help with that? Yeah, I'd like some help with that. And he was able to go on and he was able to help this young girl with a whole, whole string of problems. There she just was, sitting in a shopping mall, all alone, uh, no parents to, to speak of, no one to share what had just happened to her over, over the weekend. And Roger just happened to be sitting next to her, taking time, just taking time to be with her. And out of that it was a lovely story. We were able to connect her up with a local church and a youth pastor. Yes, and the police and, and other things as well and just try to start to get some things, things back on track a little bit for her. You know, amazing things can happen when you just make yourself available to, to talk to somebody else. And sometimes, isn't it the truth, we just need to take the time? Just need to take the time. Just to, just to be still, just to open up and, and kind of send those signals to somebody that, I've got time, I've got time, that's okay. And then just know what sort of questions to ask to draw people out and to to allow them to to share what's going on in their lives. So that's what I would like you to to do now. That's why you've got all this free time. No, you're not going shopping. But, you know, we have a lovely place here. We've got a veranda there. We've got tea and coffee being served. It's a little bit warm inside, but you can find shade under the trees. And, well, basically, church is over in just a moment. We're going to sing again. And then I'm going to invite you to, to just have a chat just linger. Just hang around. And it doesn't have, to be, doesn't have to be other than your spouse. There are no rules to this. Just, just linger and enjoy one another and chat and, and talk and, and make somebody else the, the focus of your attention. Give them a sense of belonging. Maybe you want to even, if you're looking for a conversation starter, maybe you even want to talk about the sermon this morning, about the passage, John 15. Maybe you want to ask, you know, well, what, what part of this passage, John 15... Stood out to you this morning? Is there something new there for you? Something that you've learned or seen for the very first time? I'll let, I'll let um, uh, you decide what sort of questions you, you ask and how you enjoy each other's company. But let's have we got another song, boys? Fantastic. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.